All right, so um, it sounds silly, but I have a I have a hard time prepping for sermons on the holiday, um, like Easter, or Christmas, uh, because I'm I think I've gotten so used to doing expository, like out of the word, just going verse by verse, that sometimes when you hit a topical thing like this, it gets a little nerve wracking for me. So, um, at the end of this sermon. Uh, please feel free to jump in and let us all know what uh, what Christmas is for you guys, okay? So please add to it because I am not the arbiter of truth here. I'm just doing my best here for what we have. Um, one of the things that I was thinking of when I was trying to figure out what to talk about today was, uh, it was it, there's probably at least two or three people that I've talked to in the last couple weeks, and all we've said is the same thing of, how busy December is. Uh, it seems like it's quite easily the busiest month out of the year. I don't know if that's the same for you guys. Um, it seems to definitely be the case if you have children around here. And so I was just trying to pinpoint what it is that maybe we needed to talk about based on that fact that it's so busy and that we're running around nonstop. Uh, our schedules are jam-packed. Um, so, so we're we're here today, and we're talking, and we're celebrating, and uh, the one of the greatest moments of Christ's incarnation, second, or if not tied with his work on the cross. But this is also, especially con- uh, in comparison to Easter, much more secularized as far as these two holidays go. Uh, th- we talked a long time ago last year, which I'm sure nobody remembers because I can't hardly, but we talked about how Christmas originally, well, not originally, but by the time we got to about the 1500s, it had just turned into a week of drunken debauchery because people just took it as a, as a big holiday festival. Hey, let's go and let's, let's just party hardy, you know? So that's what it had turned into at a certain point. And then about the, seven, about the 1800s, they started pushing for it to be more family-oriented. Uh, they started pushing more on the gift-giving, things like that. And then, of course, as that happened, commercialization kind of kicked in as well. Um, entrepreneurs jumped in when they could. So I'm not here to, to bash, uh, bash an AD 300 Santa who was a believer of Christ. That's, that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, I'm not accusing anybody of not having the right uh, mindset when it comes to Christmas. This is just more of a of a general uh, warning or a celebration of our principles, and maybe at the end of the day, a recalibration uh, towards Christ when we when we look at Christmas. Uh, you know, pointing to who can give us the true holiday joy, because there's a lot of. Ple- there's a lot of ideas that would claim to be able to give us joy, but Christ really is the only the only option here and the best option. So we often say that Jesus is the reason for the season. That's a very, very common saying, but it's not always practiced. Uh, Billy Graham uh, is famously quoted for saying, don't leave Jesus in the manger. Okay, it was a very popular sermon of his. Don't leave him in the manger, meaning you know, don't don't just 
Don't just celebrate them at Christmas time and then walk away kind of thing. Don't forget about them the rest of the year. But even within Christmas, secularly, it has a very powerful influence. And it's influenced because of the origin, not because of the people that have tried to push different things. There are many godly principles that are practiced in Christmas, even if people don't realize that they're doing it or don't want to attribute it to God. That would be giving, loving one another, forgiving people. These are all godly principles. They're not of the earth. So, for some reason I got a idea that I... I needed to go back in and uh, listen. Well, I say read, but really I was listening to an audio book. I was cheating. But I wanted to go back and, and get familiar again with a Christmas carol. Is anybody familiar with that? It's very common. A lot, of, a lot of movies are made about it. Basically, once you bring up the name Scrooge, then a lot of people go, oh, yeah, yeah, that, we know what that is. So I'm not advocating by any means for any of us to go to the Christmas carol to find any of our Christian doctrine. Uh, but there's a lot of principles that are talked about in there that can be applied, and they're kind of interesting to look at. Uh, so I was looking at just the first third of it, and which is basically the intro to about the time where Scrooge's old partner, Jacob Marley, comes to visit him. So in the beginning, though, there is, a, there is a, an interaction that Scrooge has with his nephew who comes to visit him. He comes to visit him. He's trying to invite him to a party. Scrooge is being his usual self. And he tells, he tells his nephew concerning Christmas, he says, you know, much good it may do you, much good it has ever done you. So his nephew has a really great reply here. I want to read it real quick here. He says to Scrooge, he says, There are many things from which I may have derived good, by which I have not profited. I dare say, returned the nephew, Christmas is Christmas among the rest. But I am sure that I have always thought of Christmas time when it comes around, apart from the veneration due to its sacred name and origin. If anything belonging to it can be apart from that. As a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time, the only time that I know of in the, ca the long calendar year when men and women seem to seem by one consent to open their shut hearts freely and to think of people below them, to think of people below them as if they were really fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on different journeys. So he's saying that this one time of year, it seems to be when even when people who at this time there was a lot more of a difference between income levels between people a big class system and he's saying even even at this time people seem to open their hearts even though this person is not of the same monetary level as them people are more giving people are more charitable that's what his his answer is to Scrooge about when he has this just big huff about Christmas in general because he knew that people are inclined to these things due to, as he said, its sacred name and origin. And I don't think that that's any different today. Uh, people may deny it, but we know the reason that these principles at Christmas time are taught is because of Christ. Now there's another spot in here. Very soon after that, uh, Scrooge goes home and 
he goes to the, he lives in this old, old building where there's no, nobody else lives there anymore. It's just offices, and he's got one little suite in there. And he lives in this little tiny room, and in it, there's a fireplace, which he obviously, at that kind of time period, you'd have to be near this fireplace a lot. Pretty cold over there. No central heat. And around this fireplace, built by Dutch people a long time ago, there are images built into it of Cain, Abel, Pharaoh's daughters, queens, there's the, there's the apostles, there's Abraham, uh, Balthazar, all these people, all these images that he is subjected to every day when he goes home. Every day when he goes home, he sees these images. And it's a, it's a, good, it's a good analogy for us sometimes as well in two ways because one some of us at some points in our life some people still currently at this time in their life can have the gospel message all around them and refuse to see it he probably looked at those images a hundred times in his life and it didn't matter he didn't care about what was going on there but the other thing that it also reminds us of is that we can be believers we can be in the midst of a season like Christmas, and we can get distracted from what it's really about. There are a lot of narratives pushing on what it should be about when we know in the Bible what it really is. Now, the other part I want to mention on here, and that'll be the last I talk about the Christmas carol, is when his friend, his old, his old partner, Jacob Marley, comes to visit him. And like I said, I'm not advocating uh, this to be anybody's doctrine. I don't personally believe that the Bible teaches in spirits and things like that talking with you. Uh, it's actually quite against it. But Marley comes to visit him, and he's there to warn him about what Scrooge is doing because he's already done it. And he carries on him as he's walking in this room a chain. Now listen to what is on the chain. He says, the chain he drew was clasped about his middle. It was long and wound about him like a tail, and it was made of cash boxes, of keys, padlocks, ledgers, deeds, and heavy purses, and it was wrought in steel. So these were the things that, like Scrooge, Marley kept so close to him, that he held so tight to him, that were his idols. And now he's carrying them around in the book for all eternity, trying to warn people. And when he goes to, he actually, later, he, before he leaves, he asks Scrooge, hey, come to the window and look. And Scrooge goes over to the window and he looks outside and he can see people walking around the streets. And then he can see ghosts of people also walking and they're all shouting at these people, trying to warn them about things that they should be do. excuse me, things that they should be doing. And of course, it's too late. Nobody can hear them kind of thing. Now, this is, is very symbolic because it's, they're, being, they're trying to warn these people of the things that they should be doing in life because when you get to death, it's too late. And that does relate to us because we have a life that we're supposed to live. We have, we have a, a walk that Christ has set for us, and we don't have to walk it, but... We'll find out when we, get, when we get to the other side how bad it was that we didn't. So believers, we can take these chains off. We don't have to have them. 
because they do pull us down. They do pull us away from Christ. Everybody's chains are different. Some people it is money. Some people it's work. Some people it's, uh, it's, it's a, an addiction. It's basically always coming down to a sin. What sin is attractive for you to have on your chain? And you don't have to have it. You can get rid of it. Now, for some of us, this ends up being a season of disobedience. Our Christian walk is not perfect. But the key is to come back to Christ to, re- to realize what we're doing and to get that chain off. Otherwise, you can make it a permanent thing. You can walk away. This is a debatable topic, but you can walk away from Christ if you really want to. Nobody's forcing you to stay there. Christ doesn't force you. So, all the while you have these chains, because we've all had them at some point in our life, Christ is telling us, God is telling us to drop them, to look away from them, because all they are is idols for us. So these are this is an important conversation because at the core of what we do as Christians, as people in general, is there's a motivation. We are designed to worship Now, if it's not God, you're going to worship something else. But we are designed to worship, and make no mistake about it, you will worship something at the end of the day, even if you don't intend to. So, like Billy Graham said, this Christmas and the days that follow, don't leave Jesus in the manger. He's a forever focus, not a seasonal. We have to keep Him in sight. We have to keep Him in our heart. We have to keep them on our mind as close as possible because that's what we should be wanting to do as Christians. We should want to, lo- to know more about our Lord, to be, that, to be in sync with Him, to be pr- in prayer with Him. Christmas only has meaning and it is only sacred because of Christ, hence the name. If not, it would just be another day. The government would throw a name on it and make it some paid holiday. They'd call it family day or something, or present day, right? If it wasn't for Christ, it would have no real meaning. So, instead, it is a day, and I I don't like when people get kind of wrapped up in this, but every Christmas you hear about people saying, well, Christ wasn't really born on the 25th. You have no idea. No, we don't. It's it's a good guess uh, that they came up with about 82 or 300 But no, we don't know the exact date, but it's the intent of our hearts. We are here and we are celebrating because we know he was born. We know that he came to earth. So that is the, when people start getting tied up in that, it's just a little silly to me. But this is a day where we are celebrating as well that God came to solve our problems. Because we are an imperfect people. And yet, although we are imperfect, we now have direct access to God. They did not have that before Christ. That's why it says here, let's read, uh, I'm going to read John 1, 14 through 17 for a second here. Um, sorry, if you're flipping to it, I don't have the page number written down on this one. <clears throat> but it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him and called out, saying, This is He whom I said, He who is coming after Me has proved to be My superior, 
because he existed before me. For his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given to Moses and grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. That is our reason for the season, that the word became flesh. So what do we mean when we say Merry Christmas? When you are about out and about on your day, you're going to the grocery store, or maybe you stop by family's house, or you're picking up your kids from school, and you tell somebody Merry Christmas, what do you mean by it? Because a lot of times we're so used to saying it that it's just kind of a greeting. It's not a greeting so much as a statement. Uh, in one of the songs, I can't remember which Christmas song it is, uh, is it Silent Night, where it says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. That is real. The world was sitting in sin, trapped in sin, and was pining. When it says pining, it was longing for Christ to come to save us. And so that's why there's power in the, word Mary, in the words Merry Christmas. There's real power in that because it means something substantial. Uh, if, you, if you want to in your, in your pew Bible, uh, turn to page 515. Those of you that would like to follow along. It's Isaiah 9, uh, 2 through 4. It's 515 in the pew Bible. <clears throat> My translation is a little bit different, so I might read a little... A little differently than yours. What verses did you say? It's Isaiah 9, 2 through 4. <clears throat> now, generally, when people turn to Isaiah at this time of year, uh, they don't typically start there. They would typically, if I can get to the right page. It would typically start at verse 6. It's a very popular verse, and it means a lot for us. Where it talks of, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us. Everybody usually kind of starts there. But this is a, there's a reality, there's a promise here that also starts at verse 2. It says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in, in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You will multiply the nation. You will increase their joy. They will rejoice in your presence as a joy of harvest, as people rejoice when they divide the spoils. For you will break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. And finishes with the rod of their oppressor, <clears throat> as at the battle of Midian. Now, there is dual meaning here, as there always is in the Old Testament. This is also related to the warning in chapter 8 of the coming invasion from the Assyrian Empire. Okay, The Assyrians were going to come into northern Israel. They were going to tear it up. They were going to enslave people, take them away. It was going to be a very bad time for the Jewish people. However, this is happening in the northern area of Israel, near the Sea of Galilee. This whole area, like I said, is going to be ravaged. But there is a promise going on right here by God where he is saying that this land, though it is going to be tore up first, though they are going to, they are going to deal with atrocities, is going to have a special blessing. 
They're going to be the first to suffer. And then they are going to see the light of Christ first. They are the first ones that will see it. And that's what we see in the Gospels, that Christ's ministry is mainly in that area. But the description applies to us as well. How many of us, every one of us, I should hope, uh, before they were saved, did you walk in darkness? You would have had to have. If you don't have Christ in your life, you're in darkness. And we see the promise here that those who live in the dark, the light will shine upon them. And you will have joy. You'll rejoice in His presence. So we see a promise that applies forward to us as well. Some of us it's more clear. Some people not. Those, those who've converted as children didn't have to go through as much toil as uh, some of us who are a little bit harder learners. So. <clears throat> so, to say Merry Christmas... So, say Merry Christmas to those that you love today. Say Merry Christmas to those that you meet. Feel it in your heart when you say it. Because it means something. It's not a greeting. It is a statement. So project that. Keep Christ on your mind. The person of Christ when you go about this season. The person of Christ. Not a broad, unfamiliar person like the Jews had. Actually in the text that we're covering in, uh, in John 7. Which we'll see in, an, in a week or two here where they thought they knew Christ. They said, oh yeah, we know this guy. He grew up in Nazareth. Now he's claiming to be God. No. When we say Merry Christmas, we come together, we celebrate that the Messiah was born, that God took on flesh, and that He was born in Bethlehem. Jesus of Bethlehem. We know who He is. They would have known too had they taken the time to just go and talk, to go and find out, to have a real interest in who He was. We know that he was placed in that manger. We know that he is God who put on flesh. So that all of us weary sinners, that we don't have to try to earn our way to heaven. Because if we try, we're going to fail. Instead, we follow him. We're clothed in his righteousness, as the scriptures say. And that is a thing to celebrate. So I want to I finish today uh, kind of a short sermon, but I want to finish in Luke. Uh, sometimes there's, there's nothing that you, that you can add that Scripture can't say in itself. So on page 762 in your pew Bible, if you want to follow along, you don't have to if you don't want to. But 762, uh, I want to read Luke 2, chapter 2, 1 through 14. Just speaking of Christ's birth. And I think that's a really good way of, of, of leaving it today. So when it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, 
because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in a swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, <clears throat> unto you this, excuse me, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So we're, we're joined together here today because this is true. We're joined together today because this is beautiful, because it is life-saving, life it is life-giving, and because we follow Christ. <clears throat> 